This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome to the show, everybody. It's Wednesday. Calgary Flames coming off of a win against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Five and one start to the season for Calgary. I don't. I mean, you know, he lost to Buffalo. I don't really know how you could start any better than that, other than winning better. I don't know. That was great analysis, guys. It's <laughs> it's a great Wednesday. Welcome to the show. Haley Salvin here with you for the next hour. Logan Gordon's riding shotgun with me. Maybe he'll provide something better than me saying win better and things will be a better start of the season. I don't know why I just said that. Derek mm-hmm. Wills, voice of the Calgary Flames on Sports at 960, is going to join us at the top of the hour, 310. And Sat Shaw from Canuck Central on Sports at 650 is going to join us at 140. Uh, we're finally going to go there. We're going to dig into what's going on in Vancouver. I've been kind of ignoring it. We've skirted around it, Logan. We've talked about it a little bit. Uh, but everyone's talking about it because it is a big story and I've been trying not to overload on the Canucks and I was trying to be original and different and now I can't do that any longer. I can't ignore it. They've been bad. Things look bad. Things are happening in Vancouver. So we're going to talk to Sad about that later in the show. But for now, what's up, Logan? How's it going? <laughs> you know, I've had better starts to the show. Yeah, Flames just uh, <laughs> just need to win better. And <laughs> you know what I mean, though. Like I, I was I, trying, yeah, I was trying sense. to say, I was trying to say, like I don't know, how you could have a better start other than being six and zero oh and like beating everyone ten nothing. What a stupid thing to say. That's a perfect. Welcome like, to the show. Say that to Daryl. You think you just <laughs> win better, Daryl? Like, yeah, probably. Yeah, okay. Yeah, win better. Okay. Oh, sure. Thanks. Yeah, put me in the room and. Give me a team to coach and yeah. things will go great. Yeah, I can the see that. The buy-in uh, would be unbelievable. I can see that being <laughs> the next great coach speech from Haley Salmon. Guys, if you could just not only win, but if you could win better, yeah. then we're good. Right? This is the kind of analysis that got me run off the flames beat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You thought it was because she got promoted. Yeah. No, they were just like, we're done. Somebody told me that my writing re- reads like a technical manual and that I was really boring. And so I'm trying to branch out by saying more fun things like win better. Yeah, I think like grammatically incorrect is less boring, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, I get what whatever. you're saying, though. Yeah. <laughs> the the mic went live and I was like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Words are hard. Yeah. Oh, it was good. I thought last night was a good game, though. Like It's... It's almost hard to come to the table with a ton of notes other than things that went really well. <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. and that can be really fun. I think if you're a fan, I think it can be difficult sometimes though cuz you start to nitpick almost when things are going well. I think that they had a way better first period last night against the Penguins. Um Kadri looks awesome. Markstrom had his best game of the season in terms of of the whole 60 minutes that pad stop on brian russ about four minutes in the second really great really good stuff i mean blake coleman's trying to go between the legs he's pulling the matthew kachuk between the legs move in the third period some good stuff going on in calgary that was a great game against a a penguins team that was tired coming off of back-to-back for sure um they didn't the penguins didn't look as good as they have this season. I still think that's going to end up being one of the... I, I, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if the Penguins end up being one of the better teams in the East this season. They've certainly looked it 
early on, maybe not against Calgary last night. Thought the second period could have been better, but a lot of good stuff, a lot of fun, good stuff last night. Yeah, you're right. Nitpicking is kind of in the word that we've used a lot on the Flames broadcasts the last couple of games because you're right. The second period wasn't their best period, but somehow they still score two goals and Huberto gets his first as a flame. It's like, yeah. okay, you know, are we really going to dive too deep into it because they still yeah. came out on top and they actually extended their lead from the first period? Were they clearly better in the first than they were in the second? Sure, but you can't argue with results, and that's kind of where we are with this Flames team. Is I, I think there are obviously areas, and that's what the guys talked about in the locker room last night, Haley, was a lot of, hey, you know, we, we know we can be better than this, but mm-hmm. I don't think anyone's complaining that they're 5-1 and one either. Yeah, and this is what we talked about with Pat Steinberg yesterday, too. The The things that maybe aren't perfect yet, it's easier to get over that because they're still getting points. Sure, the top line hasn't been great, and I think Elias Lindholm is still trying to figure out his new reality, right? He lost both of his line mates. You know, that's that's going to take some time. That top line's going to take some time to gel. Jonathan Huberto is taking some time to to figure it out in Calgary, too. And, I mean, Uyghur and Tanever are figuring out their pairing there are things that are works in progress in Calgary right now, but they are still five and one. Like if these were works in progress and they are 500 or below 500, um, or I mean, even like four and two, I, I don't even know. I think it would just be a little bit different. I think maybe people would get a little bit more worried about things, but they're, they're figuring things out and it's not perfect. And they're still winning hockey games. And they're winning hockey games uh, against really good teams. Uh, Colorado, Pittsburgh, Carolina, Edmonton. So things things look pretty good. Uh, the one thing from last night, I think the second period, there was a bit of a dip. At one point, the Flames had, they were way out shooting the Penguins. And then you look up in the second, and all of a sudden, the Penguins are out shooting the Flames. The second period wasn't great, um, you know, not to throw our buddy Julian under the bus, but Daryl was asked last night if that was the best 60 minutes the team has played this season, and, and here's what Daryl had to say. Is that as close to a 60-minute effort as you've seen from your team this season? Nope. I think we have lots to do. I mean, we gave up 20 shots in the second period. I don't think that's close to a 60-minute. <laughs> I almost feel bad because Julian's not on the show today. <laughs> Was that mean? I don't know. I think no. Was... <laughs> We're all going to be there at some point. You've been here, so I think Ugh. it's fair. You've been in those. Now, a good portion of them were Zoom, but you've been here for for oh, parts yeah. of it. You understand how how Absolutely. it works sometimes. Absolutely. I think it's, it is a, a fair point, though. I mean, Sutter's not wrong. <laughs> He's not wrong. The second period wasn't great, and then we talk about nitpicks and things to work on. I don't know if we have seen a full 60 minutes from the Flames at full clip. I think that is maybe sometimes a hard thing to expect early on in the season as things are still trying to to move along and you're trying to figure things out, as we just talked about. But I think if you looked at the second period last night, I mean, the Penguins... That is when they started to to look like they were turning things around, but that's when Markstrom looked great. I mean, the Penguins had 
25 shot attempts at five on five. Calgary only had 11. So the ice was very tilted in Pittsburgh's favor in the second period. That's what we heard from Daryl. They have 20 shots in the second. I mean, 25 shot attempts. They had five high danger chances. So we almost saw a bit of a script flip. Um, and those all numbers are at five and five courtesy of natural statric. But, you know, we saw the Penguins really take it to the Oilers in the first period, uh, in that first game on Monday night. And then they just completely got blown out in the second period. And then we saw the Penguins maybe try to do something similar in a, in a flip way to the Flames last night, you know, really try to take it to Calgary in the second. But Jacob Markstrom shut the door. He had a, he had a great game. He looked really good. I mentioned that pad stop on Rust. You know, for all of the are we concerned about Jacob Markstrom fodder that we've had, um, there was nothing to be concerned about last night. No, absolutely not. And even when the Flames weren't at their best, namely that second period, you know, in large part because of Jacob Markstrom, they wind up on the positive side of things despite not being the better team. I think that's when your goaltending really comes to the forefront, Hales, is when you're mm-hmm. not the better team, can you still come out... You know, not even 50-50, but sometimes above water, and that's kind of where the Flames were last night. It helps they scored two goals, but even if they didn't have those two, Jacob Markstrom still held the fort down, and they would have been up 2-1 after 40 anyway. So mm-hmm. it works out really well. I think it was good for his confidence to have a game where, you know, an early one didn't go in for whatever reason, and I thought he was the backbone to what was a good victory for the team last night. Mm-hmm. I think, and we just got something from the text line here you know, something we need to consider is that the Flames are getting some teams on the second half of back-to-back. So the Flames are getting really good opponents who are tired, and they're getting really good opponents who are playing their backup goalie. You know, Flames had Casey DeSmith last night because Tristan Jari went against Edmonton Oilers, the game against Colorado. Um, you know, they got Georgiev instead of... <clears throat> or no, they didn't get Georgiev. They had Georgiev as their starter. Excuse me. They had... Uh, Pavel Francois, um, because Colorado was on the second half of back-to-back. So that is a consideration that we have to take into account when we're discussing Calgary and the wins they have against good teams. But at the same time, you can only beat who's right in front of you, you know, and that's what they're doing. The Flames don't get to decide if it's the backup or if, you know, they don't set the schedule. All you can do is is win the games that are in front of you. And and that's what Calgary's been doing so far, off to a, a five-in-one start the season things look really good is there anything that you noticed last night logan that we didn't talk about that was particularly interesting or important to you um whether we're talking about the flames or looking around the league um phil kessel gets the iron man he's 10 games from a thousand you know what? maybe this is where i'll go sorry i'm gonna throw a different question at you is this the last time we see this kind of streak because like is anyone beating phil kessel in in terms of the iron man no, I don't think so. I, I think we're past. I think it's just it's. First of all, it's so easy now to, you know, for anything to happen. Even last night, we saw Kevin Rooney took a a puck to the face. I think it's so easy for that to just happen, and you miss a game or two, or you know, uh, concussion. I think medical advancement has probably made that more difficult too, in a sense, Haley, because. We know more now, and we know more signs of injury or concussion impairment. And, you know, I think sometimes when you look at those streaks, there's probably a few examples for everybody where you're like, ah, I'm not entirely sure if, if that would pass nowadays. So I think mm-hmm. that the player safety plays a big factor in it. And I just think that it's so hard. I think it's so rare. I know it's 
it doesn't seem that way because we're having the conversation so quick season after season. Yandel just did it last year, and now he's getting mm-hmm. surpassed by Kessel. But I really don't think that we're going to see... I'd be surprised if we saw another guy get close to, to Kessel because I think he's easily going to get past uh, a 1,000 here. I just can't see somebody going that long without missing a day or two for maintenance or whatever the reason is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I heard Elliot Friedman talking about this earlier on my way in and uh, saying that the next up, uh, I believe, is Brent Burns. And the next one after that is Johnny Gaudreau. Uh, but he's like 600 or 700 games back of that. So we'll see if anyone can can pass Phil Kessel. I'm with you. I don't think we're going to see it. Uh, let's go to the Atlas Pizza Hotline because it was a Flames game day last night. So let's bring in the voice of the Flames on Sports at 960. It's uh, Derek Wills on the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline. What's up, Derek? How's it going? All right, Haley. Long time no see. I know. Toronto. It's all right. It's all right. Busy. Probably warmer than here. <laughs> it depends on the day. It's raining pretty bad today. My Uber driver today, you know, all, tons of traffic. Really busy, but it's all good. How are you? Yeah. I'm doing snow? all right. Uh, good start uh, for the Flames this season. Yeah, the snow came uh, quickly. It was 25 last Wednesday, and then uh, went to bed Friday night. Wasn't a flake on the ground. Woke up on Saturday morning, and there were seven inches on my deck. So uh, okay. that was a bit of a slap. But uh, no, the, the Flames, uh, the Flames are hot, even though the weather's cold. Yeah, there you go. I mean, what are your initial impressions? It's a it's a five and one start. Logan and I were just talking about the game last night and how you know maybe there's some. I think we're kind of prone to nitpicks just because we're always all trying to fill radio shows and broadcasts. But there's been a lot of positives to take from the Flames early on the season. Uh, what what stands out to you, Derek? I'm convinced that uh, we're nitpicking because Daryl Sutter has brainwashed us. And that's what he <laughs> does, so now that's what we do, because uh, he's never uh, happy with the way his team is playing, it seems. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even though there is room for growth, you have to be happy with a 5-1-0 and start, especially when you consider who they've played. I mean, talk about a murderer's row to start the season. The only team that looked like a layup, uh, at least in hindsight, was the Sabres. But in their season opener, they beat the defending Stanley Cup champion Avalanche. In their first road game of the season, they beat the team that eliminated them from the Stanley Cup playoffs last season and went to the Western Conference Final, the Oilers. And then they lost to the Sabres. But you got wins against the Golden Knights, who prior to last season were a legitimate Stanley Cup contender ever since coming into the league. And then you beat the Hurricanes on Saturday. And then you beat the Penguins last night. So Mm -hmm. you could say that the Flames have beat at least four, if not five, Stanley Cup contenders to get their season started. And... Yeah, there's room for growth. Uh, I think they'd like to be better five-on-five. Five. I think they'd like to get really good goaltending on a more consistent basis. But uh, when you consider who they've played and, and some of the things that they're still working through, and uh, I think uh, we'd all agree that you know they've played good hockey but can probably play better hockey, 5-1-0, and oh, I think you take that to start the season. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I said this before you came on, but... It's easier to talk about teams working through things when they're still getting points. It's not like the Flames yeah. are working through a lot and they're they're 0 and 5 or 0 and 6 to start the season. Or, you know, they're not they're not looking like Vancouver right now. But we'll save that for for the chat later on the show when when Sat Shaw comes on. Um, just looking at last night though, Derek, you had the call on Sports at 960. 
I thought the first period was great. It was nice to see them after a couple of maybe slow starts to periods and, and games previous to have a really good start and a lot of jump against a, a pretty tired Penguins team. It looked like they really kind of took advantage of a team coming in off a of back-to-back and, and kind of made that improvement, again, from some of those slow starts that we'd seen against other opponents. Well, I was really impressed with the Flames start last night. It, it's funny because I went on NHL Network yesterday and said that I thought the Flames were going to have to weather the Penguin storm in the first period because w- when you look at what happened to the Penguins on Monday night in Edmonton, they mm-hmm. outshot them 19-9 to in the first period, had a 2-1 lead through 20 minutes, took a 3-1 lead two minutes into the second period, and then proceeded to get outshot 26-4 to in the second period, most shots in a period in Oilers franchise history. Just think about that for a second. When some of the the teams they've had in the past, winning five Stanley Cups with uh, mm-hmm. all those Hall of Famers, that the fact that they set a, a franchise record for most shots in a period on Monday night yeah. is uh, is something. And they end up giving up five straight goals in that game and losing six three. It was the the first regulate regulation loss of the season for the Penguins. So I thought they were going to come out guns a blazing last night, but the Flames really just dictated from the drop of the puck, outshot them twenty to six in the first period. It's funny. Uh, prior to the last minute, where the Penguins had a bit of a flurry and, and four shots on goal. Mm-hmm. Nazem Kadri had as many goals as the Penguins had shots for 19 Yeah, I saw your last tweet night. last night. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was complete dominance by the Flames in the first period. And then the script flipped in the second period because mm-hmm. the Penguins came out and they outshot the Flames 20-4, to but yeah. that outscored 2-1. to one. The Flames mm-hmm. scored on half their shots in the second period last night. So, you know, the game was all but over going to the third period and, uh, Jacob Markstrom, I thought, was really good when he had to be last night. And it's the first periods that have haunted him, Haley, because mm-hmm. when you look at his body of work prior to last night, Jacob Markstrom in his four games had given up eight goals in the first period. He'd only given up two goals in the second, third, and overtime periods combined. So I thought to myself, if if he can get through the first period and they can get through the first period, even or ahead, they're going to be in good shape. And uh, they did, and they were, uh, and they went on to win that hockey game. But, uh, yeah, really good game by the Flames last night. But when you're playing against a good team like the Penguins, they're going to have a push at some point in time. They had that push in the second period. The Flames wound up weathering that storm and uh, improved to 5-1 and one to start the season. So pretty impressive. Do you think Markstrom's like going to Sutter or going to Jason LaBarbera, the goalie coach, and you know saying I've got to keep fighting through this? I I, I got to play against Edmonton on Saturday because there's only two games this week, which puts a wrinkle into the whole we're going to start Vladar once a week, or that's the plan to start Vladar once a week. But you also have to to know that you want Markstrom to play and you want him to keep working through maybe whatever early season. Um, I don't even want to call it issues because he's still winning games. But if you want Markstrom to keep kind of working through it and, and clicking along it the right way. Like, do you, do you play Markstrom on Saturday? Are we just overthinking all of this? Yeah, probably. But, I mean, <laughs> it's a great question. It's it's one that I asked on our postgame show last night because I'm I'm fascinated to see what Daryl Sutter decides to do. I suspect he'll probably go with Jacob Markstrom, but God knows I've been fooled before with his yeah. goaltending decisions. And Dan Vladar, I, mean, I shouldn't I even played. have asked you. I'm so sorry. I'm, like, throwing you, throwing you under because... I think it's a Anyone great Anyone who topic. tries to predict what's going to happen is... Yeah, well, that, that's our job, right? That's what we do <laughs> on the radio. But yeah. uh, I think it's a, a great question because Dan Vladar, I thought, played really well 
in the first of three battles of Alberta this season. Uh, the mm-hmm. Flames took a 4-1 lead in that game at Rogers Place in Edmonton on uh, October 15th and you know, wound up winning 4-3. And, of course, after falling behind, uh, the Oilers uh, were throwing everything, including the kitchen sink at Dan Vladar, trying to get back into that hockey game. So he played really well and got the win. So you could easily justify going back to him. But uh, to kind of circle back to where you started that question, uh, I think the the biggest priority for the Flames right now is to get Jacob Markstrom back to where we know uh, he can be, and that's as an elite goaltender in this league, and he's looked that way at times this season, but there have been some, some shaky moments and some bad goals against. So I do think that uh, they're trying to help him work through it, and I think that that is a bigger priority than getting Dan Vladar one start a week. And uh, I think it's more about the number at the end of the season, Haley. I don't mm-hmm. think you have to get him one start a week. I think that uh, really depends on your schedule. And, you know, on Sunday the Flames started a stretch, but they only played two games in nine days. Yeah. So uh, I would actually be surprised if Markstrom didn't play uh, against the Oilers on Saturday night. And looking ahead at the, the rest of the Flames' schedule, they have nine weeks coming up with four games. So there are going to be plenty of opportunities to get Dan Vladar two games a week, not one game a week. So I think at the, at the end of the season, if he's at 26 starts or so, then that's where the Flames want him to be. How they get there, uh, I guess, will be determined. Mm-hmm. It's a great point when you look at the schedule. and he, there's going to be It's not going to be hard to get Dan Vladar some games when, the, when you get parts of the schedule that's really busy. Um, wanted to ask you about Kadri. I think we knew that he was really good. Obviously, a lot of us had him on the UFA boards for for obvious reasons. He's a great player. I think watching him over the last couple games with this team, he's been the best player on the ice most nights, if not every night so far. His line looks awesome. Is it hyperbole of me to say that Nazem Kadri has been better than advertised to start the season? Absolutely not. If there is a player on a new team this season who has had a bigger impact than Nazem Kadri has had on the Flames, I dare you to point him out to me. I just, I can't imagine it. Uh, I knew he was good, Haley. I didn't know he was this good. And mm-hmm. so sometimes when you watch a player every day, as opposed to, you know, twice or three or four times a year, you, you yeah. see good things, but you also see bad things uh, that come up. I haven't seen any bad things with this guy. And I really do give the Flames a lot of credit for managing him a little bit differently than the rest of their players during training camp and the preseason. Coming off what was a really long playoff run and a season that ended later than most seasons would end because of the pandemic last year, they wanted to kind of ease him in. So uh, he got into game action later than just about anybody. And from... Game one of the preseason, you, you could see that this guy, if, if he has an on-off switch, it's broken and it's stuck in the on position. He, he just <laughs> he doesn't have the ability to play at 50% or 60 or 70 or 80 or 90%. This guy gives it uh, everything he's got every single game. And beyond that, I would say you see that competitiveness and, and you see that drive even in practices and in morning skates. And I think as a guy who's won a Stanley Cup, like a bunch of other Flames who have won Stanley Cups, he really does set the example, not just with what he says, but with what he does. He has been an absolutely perfect fit, Haley. I think he's been, hands down, the the Flames' most valuable player so far this season. 
Mm-hmm. And you're right. He's playing in a line with two guys who play the same style of hockey that he does. You got Dylan Dubé on the left. You got Andrew Mangiapane on the right. All three guys are like a, a dog on a bone. They're getting in there, getting pucks in deep, forechecking, and uh, creating a lot of havoc in the offensive zone. And I think the most important thing is how much time they're spending in the offensive zone. And it's funny because that line seemed to have instant chemistry. And, and the Flames are 5-1-0, despite the fact that their new-look first line with Elias Lindholm, Jonathan Huberto, and Tyler Toffoli, they haven't had that instant chemistry. They're kind of working through some stuff right now trying to, to find it. So mm-hmm. Kadri's been uh, arguably the Flames' best free agent signing in years, maybe decades, although I, Jacob Markstrom might have something to say about that. <laughs> Tanev too. But he's, he's been awesome. He's been a perfect fit for this Daryl Sutter coach team, in my opinion. Well, that was always kind of for me the big thing on uh, with Kadri coming in is, you know, sure the the top line maybe hasn't figured it out, but I think you looked at what worked and what didn't last season. I think it's almost a good thing that the Flames are five and one without having to rely on their top line doing everything. Because how many times last year did we have the conversations of okay they've got to get someone else other than the top line? I mean the Flames are getting line yeah. two, three, four getting in on it. The power play's been good. The PK's been good. The top line's going to figure it out eventually. We have to assume that based on the pedigree of the players who are on that top line. I think the fact that they're they're five and one without their top line doing everything. I don't know if we would have been able to say that last season if, if everything stayed the same and they just ran it back straight. Would the Flames be five and one with their top line not clicking? I don't think so. There's a zero percent chance they would be, in my opinion. I mean, yeah. they There's leaned no so heavily on that <laughs> top line last year, uh, and for good reason. Uh, I think that line of Elias Lindholm, Johnny Gaudreau, and Matthew Kachuk was the best line in the NHL. You had three forty goal getters. You had two one hundred point players. You know, those guys were magical together, and it's taking some time for Elias Lindholm with uh, two new wingers to to get to his A game. And you know, the the thing that really jumped out at me last night and I, I tried to focus on him a little bit more than I, I normally focus on an individual player just because he has been fighting it offensively. He's been really good defensively. That hasn't been an issue, but he doesn't have the time and space right now that he seemed to have last season. And, right. you know, maybe that's other teams paying so much attention to Johnny Gaudreau and to a lesser extent, Matthew Kachuk, that it just opened up those soft spots in the middle of the ice where Lindholm could get open and use that wicked shot that he possesses. And, mm-hmm. and there just hasn't been that time and space for him this season. I do think that he'll eventually figure it out. Jonathan Huberto is one of the best playmakers in the league. He does it differently than Johnny Gaudreau, which I think has been an adjustment not only for him playing with two new players, but for Lindholm uh, playing with a new setup man. So I, I actually think that uh, Tyler Toffoli's probably been the best of the three guys on that line. Mm-hmm. He scored three huge goals for the Flames this season. But you know, it's funny because uh, I do sense some frustration from Flames fans when it comes to that first line. But I'm actually excited about the fact that those guys you know, haven't had their A game and the Flames are still 5-1-0. It just shows you how deep this team is, Haley. Even the fourth line uh, on some nights is the line that can really set the tone. And, and I think about that game against the Golden Knights last Tuesday. The Golden Knights start their fourth line at the start of every single period. And I thought those guys set the tone in the first period, a period that was controlled by the Golden Knights when they took a 2 nothing lead. The Flames started their fourth line at the beginning of the second period that night, and those three guys, Kevin Rooney, Milan Lucic, and Brett Ritchie, set the tone and completely turned that hockey game. So, you know, the Kadri line's been the best line. There's no doubt about it. 
Backlund's line has been really solid, especially defensively. Uh, and Rooney's line has, has chipped in, and they've helped the Flames win some hockey games. So uh, I get excited thinking about how good this team can be when, when that Lindholm line figures it out and, and starts playing at the high level that we know they can play at. And then even on defense, Haley. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the the Hannafin Anderson pairings kind of picked up where they left off, but I still think that Uyghur and Tanev are stru- trying to develop some chemistry. A couple of righties playing together, they're mm-hmm. still trying to to get on the same page. So once those guys get going, uh, again, this is going to be an even more uh, dangerous team and a tougher team to beat. Mm-hmm. I think there's a level for Mackenzie Weger that we're going to see unlocked in Calgary because you're looking at he's getting power play time. I don't have the number right in front of me, but I looked this up earlier in the year, and I'm pretty sure he played like 30 seconds on the power play in Florida last year or something like that. Like he did not mm-hmm. get a ton of power play time. That was that like Brandon Montour was on the second unit. Um, so he didn't get a lot of time on, on the man advantage, and I, I think he was always kind of the guy that would start the transition and then, and then Ekblad would go in and get to work but I think now once him and Tanev start clicking together I think we're going to see even more offense out of Mackenzie Weger because we know he's got a good shot we know he's got a good wrister we know he's got the instincts on when to pinch and when to slide into those open spaces in the slot I think once they start to figure it out I think we're going to we're going to see a a really interesting kind of top pair in them because I think the Flames could have two top pairs yeah, uh, I agree and, with you. And, and something new, or maybe more from Uyghur than we saw in Florida. Yeah, and, and something else I've been thinking about, Haley, is, you know, Nazem Kadri has come in and been a perfect fit. But keep in mind, he is going from an avalanche team that plays a very similar style to the one that the Flames play to a Flames team where I don't think he's had to make a lot of adjustments or get new uh, used to a, a, a new system or a new style of play. Think about Huberto and Uyghur. They're oh, yeah. going from very a Panthers different. team. <laughs> very, very different. Pretty much the polar opposite, I would say. They're going from a Panthers team that tried to win 6-4 every night, and, and that worked in the regular season when they won the President's Trophy, but didn't work in the Stanley Cup playoffs, to a Flames team that you know tries to create offense from their defense. And, and that's the primary focus under Daryl Sutter is being a good 200-foot player and you know killing plays defensively and you know, letting that kind of start things offensively. So I, I think the adjustment has been way bigger for Huberto and Weger uh, coming from the Panthers to the Flames than it has been for Kadri going from the Avalanche, obviously the best team in the league last season, to the Flames. So it, it just might take a little bit of time, uh, much like chemistry, uh, sometimes uh, figuring out uh, exactly what you should be doing and when you should be doing it uh, can be tougher uh, depending on what type of team you're coming from. So uh, I, I agree with you. I think Uyghur is going to be uh, a guy who at times looks like the Flames' number one defenseman this year. But uh, the good news is, even though he's maybe not uh, at the top of his game right now, you could argue the Flames have four number one defensemen. Him and his partner, Tanev, and then you've got... Uh, uh, Hannafin and Anderson. I think Anderson's probably been the best of the bunch so far this season, but mm-hmm. you know, they've got two really good top pairings, and uh, they're probably going to lean pretty heavily on those uh, four guys coming up on Saturday night. Uh, things are looking good in Calgary, and now we get to wait until Saturday for the next game. Uh, we get to wait yeah. on that call. And, oh, then we're almost done with the Battle of Alberta. I ranted about this before the first game, and we're not going to have any of those games in 2023 until the playoffs if they face off, so... Enjoy yeah, call that absolutely, last. Uh, <laughs> absolutely ridiculous, Haley. I mean, you're coming off of the first Battle of Alberta in the Stanley Cup playoffs in more than three decades. And, you know, after winning game one, 
kind of beating the Oilers at their own game. The Flames uh, lost the next four, and you know they want to get some revenge. And I guess they got a little bit of it in uh, the, their first road game of the season. But you know, the fact that uh, they're only playing the Oilers three times is craziness. And I know that it's just the schedule grid, and the league kind of has to follow that regardless. But I think that the NHL has to find a way to increase the number of rivalry games. Mm-hmm. And if that's taking one of the three games away versus another Western Conference team to make sure you've got at least four against the Oilers. And, and there are other teams that have big rivals. that I think that they should do the same thing for them. Uh, I guess it probably stings a little bit more this season because the two teams played in the playoffs last year, but uh, in no season should the Flames and the Oilers only play three times during the regular season. Thankfully, this is uh, the start of the cycle, which means we, we won't have this problem again for a number of years. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's too bad that the season series is going to be two-thirds over after uh, Saturday night. I guess we just have to cross our fingers and hope for uh, four or five or six or seven more games come to the playoffs. Or hope for ultimate chaos in the next two, so then we're good, you know? Oh, I will be good. If there's ultimate <laughs> chaos, I'm going to want more. Yeah, you're right. Will you? Yeah. yeah. Or maybe they're just really boring. I don't really want that either, but. Probably not. I don't think goes. they're going to be boring. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Enjoy the call on Saturday, Derek. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate the time. I will. Thanks for having me. No problem. There goes Derek Wills on the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline, uh, brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner for takeout or delivery. Call 403-248-3344 or dine in at Atlas Pizza 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. All right, great chat with Derek. Talked a lot about that Flames game. We're going to move on in the next segment. Uh, there is some news around the league before we go. Um, just a couple things from this morning. Josh Norris the Ottawa Senators center is uh, looking like he's going to be out long-term. Shoulder injury. He left the, the Sens game against the Arizona Coyotes on on Saturday, midway through the third period. He took a face-off and... And something had looked like, I don't, I don't like speculating. I'm not a doctor, so I'm not even going to go there. Just something happened with his shoulder. DJ Smith, after practice on Wednesday afternoon, says that if we get him back at some point, great. Uh, but he's going to be out long term. Quote, when you hear long term, you're thinking three months, four months, five months, six months. So things aren't looking great. Josh Norris out with a shoulder injury, and he missed 15 games last season with a shoulder injury, and he had a uh, torn labrum before he joined the Senators when he was with the San Jose Sharks uh, that he suffered, I believe, was at the World Championships, and he missed some of his season with Michigan. So that's something significant to keep an eye on. He's a he's a great player for Ottawa. That's going to be a big loss. We'll see what happens in Ottawa with that. But it's been a good first segment on Hockey Central. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Sat Shaw from Canucks Central, Canucks Game Day host on Sportsnet 650. Somebody made a note in my lineup here saying um, he's like the Pat of Vancouver, but not as adorable. Was I supposed to say that? Logan, who did this? <laughs> who, who put that in there? <laughs> hey, who put yeah, that in Taylor, there? Come on. <laughs> Everyone's a big fan of Pat, uh, but Sat's going to be coming on. Coming up next, just a reminder to everyone listening, you can listen to Hockey Central 960 on demand on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, excuse me. We'll be right back after the break. Sportsnet 960, the fan. 960, 960, text lines. Pretty fun today if you want to join in on the conversation. 
we got about 15, 20 minutes left here. We're going to go back to the Atlas Pizza Hotline because we're not talking about Boston. We are finally, we're going to do it. We're going to dig in. I've been avoiding this conversation for a while. Maybe seeing what's going to happen. Maybe things are going to look up. Am I overreacting? Uh, no. There's some stuff going on in Vancouver. Let's go to the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline with uh, Sat Shaw, Canucks Central, Canucks Game Day host on Sportsnet 650. Because uh, there's a lot to get into. Sat, what's up? Hey, what's going on, Haley? Uh, thanks for having me on. And listen, I'm not great at doing uh, impersonations to begin with, so I will not try to do a Boston <laughs> accent. I wasn't even to... trying. I just can't speak, which bodes well for my radio career. <laughs> listen, I have those problems as well. It's Sometimes we kind of wonder, why are we doing, why are we in this line of work? Came and put like three words together. So I feel you. Yeah. We have those days. But, you know, it happens. I feel it more when I go home now after doing, and it's an hour show. Like, I got it. It's mm-hmm. one hour, you know, with... with ad breaks and I go home like wow I can't even speak this is such an exhausting day talking yeah (laughs) I hear you I mean I have the same thing with my partner and she's always like why can't you like talk to me right now I'm like I'm trying I'm talking out I'm like I'm talked out I've been like six hours talking tonight I can't I can't say anything else uh, well, you've got a little bit longer. I'm so sorry to add this to your plate because I'm sure it's not been super fun. I don't know where you stand on that. If you you kind of would rather talk about this kind of stuff or, or teams winning, et cetera, et cetera, because there's a lot to get into here in Vancouver, and it's and it's hard to parse through what the heck is going on. I mean, this is the only team in the league without a win. They have two points from some of the the overtimes that they've gone into. Um, only team in the league without a win yet. Things aren't looking great. And it's been really hard to pinpoint one specific thing that's going wrong. Am I am I right here? It's just been kind of a, a lot, which is even more troubling. It's not like, oh, right, well, maybe Demko's a bit shaky. He'll figure it out. Oh, oh, the defense is a bit weird. They'll figure it out. Like, it's it's multiple things that just need work in Vancouver right now. I think a lot. Yeah, they're a lot right now. I think that nails it pretty much. Like this team, like they're a lot to kind of deal with. And you're right; it's not just the one thing. I mean, the backbone of this team last year had been goaltending, and that was really what saved them on so many nights. I mean, they have good scores, but you know, a team that was often in the red when it came to high danger scoring chance differentials. And obviously, when you have that type of differential, your goalie has to be great. And Demko had been, and really, you know, masked a lot of the team's problems. Well, he hasn't been able to make that extra save or two so far this season, and that's also been a big problem. But, you know, going beyond that, they're not really scoring at a high rate. Their power play is abysmal. Their PK, which was actually historically bad through 25 games last year, is on pace to be actually worse oh, this season seven great. games in. So, I mean, it's, it's lovely. You know what I mean? Like, everything is absolutely lovely. And then you look at the, at the defense. Quinn Hughes is injured the last few games. And I, I'm, Quinn Hughes isn't the best defenseman in the league. But I'm, I think we'd be hard-pressed to find another team that would suffer if they lost their best defense and as much as Vancouver is suffering losing Quinn Hughes. That's how important he is to this team and also shows how much they need to improve that back end. And, you know, I thought last year Oliver Ekman-Larsen, in all honesty, had a solid season, played at a legitimate top-four level, and I think he was better than a lot of people expected. He looks really bad so far this season, mm-hmm. and then Myers has been injured on the back end. So... When you go through the defense, it's really bad. And then up front, it's ironic because last year, guys like Horvath were doing okay. You know, Garland got off to a good start, and JT was doing okay. But Pedersen was really struggling. Well, now, this year, those guys are struggling, and Pedersen's playing really well, but their production's not there. So, I mean, long story short, every single facet of this team's play 
is underperforming, and, and that's really why they're in this position. Mm-hmm. It reminds me a little bit of, I mean, it was obviously to a different extent because they weren't losing a lot, but I think there was a lot of things with Calgary a couple of years ago where it was like, wow, it, was, it wasn't one thing that was going wrong before Jeff Ward ended up getting fired. It was like a laundry mm-hmm. list of things that were going wrong at different times. You know, the the goaltending would be really good, but they couldn't score. And then the goaltending would take a step back, and then they were scoring. Like, it was just different things at different times all of the time, and that can be a really hard thing to juggle. I, I The question, the next thing I wanted to ask you, though, did did the Canucks, maybe management, maybe fans, whoever, like, did, or did we as media, did we all get, like, rose-colored glasses because of the Boudreaux bump last season? Like, did, should Vancouver have taken a step back last year? You know, we're looking at the trade deadline, mm-hmm. and everyone's looking at, you know, should they trade JT Miller? He's got good trade value, but then they come and bring him back, and, and they make these moves, and they do these things that kind of push them into like, yeah, you've got to start competing because these are not rebuilding or retooling moves. Did we just kind of all decide that the Canucks were going to be good because they had, you know, a good stretch with Bruce Boudreau last season? I, I do think there were there was some of that, of course, because you looked at how well they played and. You know, in all honesty, though, as good as they were under Goudreau, during that 57-game stretch when he was a coach, the Canucks had the 11th best winning percentage in the National Hockey mm-hmm. League during that stretch. So, I mean, they were good, but they still, during the time Goudreau was a coach, it wasn't like they had a top five, top ten record. They were good, but right. it wasn't, you know, this extraordinary type of run. So I do think the the extent of that run was sometimes overhyped. Like, it was really good, but it wasn't what people made it out to be. And I think that is actually something to consider when we were projecting this year's team. But with all that being said, even the, say, most pessimistic projection for this team had them somewhere in the high 80-point range, right? Like, maybe 88 mm-hmm. points, 86 points. I mean, I mean, they have two points in, in, in seven games. I mean, they shouldn't be this bad. And this is, I think, the bigger inherent question when it comes to this core and this team and this group of players. It's now three years in a row that their start has been so bad, it has sunk their entire season, essentially. And they shouldn't be as bad as they are. Like, they're, they're lesser than their sum of the, the sum of their parts. And I think that's the big concern about this team. So I think it's fair to say, yeah, uh, maybe we got a bit too hyped on what they did last year and how that would translate this upcoming season. And in all honesty, I mean, they added to the core, right? I mean, they signed Mikhaya, they, they added Kuzmenko, they brought in Lazar uh, for, for the fourth line. I mean, they made additions to the team that was here last year, so that should have given them a bit of a boost. But the big question here that everybody's pondering and has most people selling their stock on this team is why does this core continually get off to bad starts that sink their season. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Is it a coaching thing? Is it a core thing? Like, is this a core versus construction conversation that we're having here? Like, how does that consistently happen? And it, like, what's the common denominator? I mean, I guess the obvious answer is to look at who's been mm-hmm. on the team over the last couple of years with this happening, but that's not really an easy fix either, is it? No, it's not. And the thing is, like, there's a lot of culpability to go around. I have some questions about some of the things the Canucks are trying to do this year under Boudreaux. So it's not like he's without, you know, obviously any critique or any part of their struggles so far. And there were questions about, is he going to be able to put the system in place that management wanted? And was he able to kind of be the guy that gets these guys in line during the preseason and works on the habits they wanted to see? And those things didn't happen. So I guess it's fair to question, you know, whether Boudreaux didn't execute what he needed to do. But when you look at this team and what they've done in three years in a row with largely the same core and now two different head coaches, you can't put it on the coach. Like, this is all on the players. Now, the mm-hmm. players are not without 
Um, some excuses when it comes to how management previously dealt with them. I mean, this team, this is a team that made that bubble run um, and looked like they had a lot of promise. And then that offseason, management said, or ownership, I should say, not management so much, said, hey, we're not really spending this year. So no to Foley, no to Markstrom, no to Tanev. Sure, go get Nate Schmidt and sign Holpe to, you know, a two-year deal or whatever, but we're going to patchwork this. We're not going to build on what we did. And I think that soured, you know, the situation in general. And I think taking some of those key players out really hurt the core in that room and the leadership in general. And I think since then, they haven't really recovered when it comes to being a cohesive unit and, and having the right mix of players that can allow a team to be greater than the sum of their parts or at least live up to the sum of their parts. And those things shouldn't be overlooked as well. Um, and you can look at management too and say, hey, you know, maybe they should have tried to trade some of these guys. But I think honestly, this management team, as much as they signed JT Miller, they weren't sold on this group of players. And mm-hmm. as much as, you know, it came off as, okay, you know, they're, they're doubling down on these guys. I think it was kind of about, okay, let's see if, if we can get the value up on a guy like Garland and Besser. And, you know, let's see what's going on with this team if we commit to Bo as well. And I think mm-hmm. with how this is gone, you can't, you can't blame Benning and those guys anymore. They're gone. I think this strictly falls on this group of players. And I think management has to be realistic here and say, We've seen the same thing, thing three years in a row, and you simply can't come back with the same core group of players that have been part of this mess for three years, and they have to start taking a couple of those guys out from, from this point on. Mm-hmm. Very much a getting under the hood kind of thing I'm getting from early on this season is getting under it, seeing who's going to be part of this, who's going to be part mm-hmm. of the solution, who do we need to maybe move out or move on from uh, with with Vancouver. Uh General Manager Patrick Alvin looks like he addressed the media at practice on Wednesday. What were some of the, was there a big takeaway there from you? It looks like he was asked quite a bit about his thoughts on a rebuild. Uh, what was the big takeaway from, from that chat? Well, the thing I took away the most when it came to his rebuild comment and saying he still believes in his young core, it's seven games into the season. They just, you know, signed JT Miller and just started the season with the team they brought back. So, I don't expect any GM to come out and, and say that yeah, now we're going to rebuild and now yeah. we don't believe in the plan anymore. No one's going to say that. Or like our players have no value. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No one's going to come out and say that, right? So obviously he's going to say what he needs to say. The thing that stands out more than anything is the continued lack of connection with Bruce Boudreaux. You know what I mean? Like every time they talk about Boudreaux, it comes off as some backhanded compliments or you know, mm-hmm. n- not really an endorsement of what's going on and then being on the same page vision-wise. And as much as he gave uh, an endorsement and said, you know, we want Bruce here to fix the problem, we're going to get better at all this sort of stuff, it does it does seem relatively clear that Boudreaux isn't this management team's guide long-term. Now, I don't think they want to fire him. I don't think that ownership has any interest in paying three coaches this year to coach with yeah. Travis Green also getting paid. But I think it's becoming relatively clear that no matter what happens the rest of the season, Boudreaux's not really their guy. And that's the other kind of takeaway I had from, you know, what Alvin had to say. I mean, you know, there's, the endorsements are never as as positive as you may want, and want, and want them to be if you're Bruce, Bruce Boudreaux. And sometimes you can see it in Boudreaux's face, too, that, you know, it's, he knows he's under a lot of pressure here. and. They want to see a lot from him, and that's kind of it's interesting because he's going for a 600th win as an NHL head coach, and there's yeah. a sense of uh, you got to prove to us if you can do the things we want you to do, and I don't think that's an easy thing to handle if you're brutal always.
Mm-hmm. That's such a difficult situation for a coach to be in, and we've got a couple, maybe two more minutes left with you before we let you go to go talk some more Vancouver. But that's such yeah. a tough position for for a coach, and again to bring it back to Calgary because that is the team and the place that I've mm-hmm. been in for the last couple of years. I mean, you look at Jeff Ward, and I think. There was a lot of talk before he ended up getting the interim tag lifted that, you know, the Flames are maybe looking at other options. We know now that they ended up calling Daryl Sutter at that point. It's difficult for a coach when they probably know and feel like they aren't that guy. And you're kind of coaching to save your mm-hmm. life and you're coaching to win each game instead of maybe taking the, the long look. Like That's not easy when a coach is, you know, they're the lame duck coach or the coach that's, coaching to win every single game to save his job that's not really a recipe for success as we've seen with any no, coach who's been in that situation oh absolutely not i mean not for boudreau and no for the team as well are you going to be able to get the look on guys you really want can you evaluate the players you really want if you have the coach you know back into a corner where he has to coach for his life mm-hmm. it's not great you're, so, you're playing guys no. 20 minutes or you're starting demco all the time because you're like well we've got to something's got to give let me just throw Pedersen yeah. out there for 26 minutes and see what works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, and hey, I mean, the way these guys are falling like flies right now, I mean, it's, it just kind of shows you that they're overtaxed already, and it's and it's seven games into the season, and it's not going to get any easier. They got to go on. They got to win like nine of their next 13 here just to be 500 at the 20 game mark to have a sniff of even being alive for a playoff push. Yeah, it's great. Well. On that yeah, note, thanks great. so much. Hopefully things turn around for you and you have more pleasant things to talk about all day long. Hey, listen, I, I would love nothing better than this team getting hot and winning some games. I've, I've talked about two wins since the preseason. I've done 13 yeah. post-game shows. I've done two wins, and they're both in the preseason. So I love a win. <laughs> all right. Well, we're crossing our fingers for you. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks, Haley. All right. There he goes. That's Sat Shaw from Canucks Central, Canucks game host on Sports at 960 on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. Brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner for takeout or delivery. Call 403-248-3344. Dine in at Atlas Pizza, 6060 Memorial Drive East. All right. Thanks to Derek Wells. Thanks to Sat. Thanks to Logan. That was Sports at 960. I'm Haley Salvi, and we'll be back on Thursday at 1 o'clock. And just a reminder, you can subscribe, rate the show, and listen to Hockey Central 960 on demand wherever you get your podcasts.